Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. Today on the show, huge guest, Sue Lynn Hago is here from the mighty, mighty Propagandi. You may notice I sound a little bit different this week. That's because I'm uh, I'm on, on the road again, and I just found out that my podcast mic is broken. So I'm going to have to wait till I get back to... Uh, back home before I can start doing uh, properly recorded intros and extras for this thing. But I do not want to stop giving you the turned out of punk rock each and every, uh, well, maybe twice a week. We'll know. Who knows? It's on tour. So everything's up in the air right now. But one thing is certain. If you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address turnedoutofpunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother, and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. You can also find me on social media at Left for Damien. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is by telling all your friends about it, letting everyone know that you know that we have a podcast here each and every week that we do, and uh, oh, sometimes twice a week, and uh, we talk about punk on it. You can also head over to turnedoutapunk.com and pick up a t shirt. Thank you to everyone who has done that, very much appreciated. And uh, uh, speaking of support, I play in a band, and we're called Fucked Up, and we're going to be going on tour. We're going to be in England, and the, yeah, actually, no, not just England. We're going to be in the UK. We're going to be in several places in the UK. Uh, you can find out more information. Uh, and also, no, not just the UK. We're also going to be in Dublin, Ireland as well. So we're going to be in uh, several regions in parts of Europe, well, one part of Europe, pretty much, uh, coming up next week. So if you are listening to this when it drops, find out more information at fuckedup.cc. You can pick up tickets for this thing and uh, can't wait to see you all there. Hopefully you're going to be there masked up and uh, ready to ready to party. That's what we're going to be doing. <laughs> it's going to be a, kind of a different kind of party, but it's a party all the same. So I can't wait to see you. Uh, we also have a bunch of records coming out on incredible labels like Get Better Records and Tank Crimes Records. You can find out more information over at fuckedup.cc. Fucked There's also a brand new uh, David Comes to Life singles compilation, companion record. They were all the singles that we did when that album came out. And Matador has stuck them all together on an LP. And that has just dropped. So please uh, do me a favor. And yourself a favor. I, th- I think it's pretty good. And pick that up. And uh, that is it. All right. On to today's show. Today on the show, Sue Lynn Hago is here. And she is, without a doubt, one of the greatest uh, shredders in music today, playing in propaganda. Uh, but, you know, I here I was. And this is why I love doing this show. is because I just assumed that it was going to be metal. That would have been the influence on the shredding guitar style. But <laughs> I know... That Sulin is all punk, and we get into this uh, in this episode, and you'll you'll hear how the shredding entered the picture in the episode as well. Uh, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Sulin Hago on "Turn Out a Punk." Sulin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Well, as I was telling you off air, I'm a big fan, and. Uh, we've never had a chance to kind of speak in person, so this is like a, a a big tick off the bucket list for me. So thank you for doing this. I feel the same way. Like uh, it's like you know, kind of names get tossed around, so it's nice when you can kind of just like finally hang out. Exactly. You know, it's like that's the. I think that's the problem we're just talking about being in a band is that, you know, like you get to live in this world, but also you get to like 
miss any time a band comes to town because you're always away or touring or things like that. So you never get to see a lot of the bands you want to get to see a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, you kind of skim through each other, you know, past each other and stuff. Absolutely. But I got to start this off the way they all start off, which is how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Uh, man, I was pretty young. I mean, it's it's hard with like a number. I'm guessing like three or four, like in terms of, and this is more, I'd say like the kind of mainstream just because my age, like maybe like Green Day-esque, you know? So I, I think of it as like two tiers. Like, so, but my, my, my sister and neighbor were five years older. And when you're that age, that's pretty vast. Yes. So, yes. um, so that's why I kind of like, not like I'm like a three-year-old being like, let me grab my record here. But it's like, I hung out with them all the time. And so they like, were playing like, you know, like metal and punk, um, early nineties. Like, and so that's kind of where I heard it. Like, and not even being able to tell like the difference between them, but like, definitely like because of the the year like like green day and stuff like that so maybe even that's even too young i'd say knowingly maybe 94 because like dookie like a lot of people you know um so that's kind of in terms of like the more like knowingly being like that's punk music (laughs) that i'm kind of listening to you know yeah well that's and that's also like kind of like one of those moments like there's you know i find there's like these blips like historical blips where all of a sudden it bubbles up to the mainstream, obviously 77 being a huge one. And then yeah. like that 91 to 94 period where it yeah. kind of bubbles up again. And you, and that's like really the great jumping on periods for, for this thing. You know, you need those bubble up periods. So everyone can kind of be like, all the kids can be like, oh, that's what it is. And then kind of try yeah. and chase it down the rabbit hole. It's weird with punk too, because of that bubbling up period. It's like, okay, I'm like getting into punk, but I kind of wasn't separating it from like Michael Jackson in a sense, you mm-hmm. know, because I don't know any different because I'm that like little, I'm not aware of genres really. Like, I'm just like everything that's on MTV, I'm into, you know, just like I, I'm into like, you know, the fucking Tony Braxton and like <laughs> Diana Ross music as much as like I am into, yeah, like uh, Jesus Priest and Green Day. And it's just like, I'm just listening to music and it was a very music video kind of culture too. And so those two linked and I'd say like, I guess in terms of underground punk, that was like, maybe I was like 10 or 11, like years later. That's And so I kind of think of it as like a two, like two introductions, you know, cause they're kind of different beasts. Yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's, I think it's also when you are able, like you're saying to separate these things out into genres like when you're when you're young and innocent and these things don't have the emotional baggage to them and it's just like it's music i love just music whatever it is yeah yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like it's a nice like innocent place to be in and i actually consciously try to keep myself there um like i really uh i think it's like healthy like Mm -hmm. in a sense and, and just like so um it just it's just open for all like in a sense emotion because that's what music really is and like everyone's that's what's weird about emo but that, anyway like as a genre name but you know it's just like and um it, it almost i feel like it reflects a different part of you like genres can kind of do that and if it's just like all encompassing like i just like it all you know like yeah. today i'm in yeah. a mood for this and another day i you know switch over and stuff like that. well i think streaming really helps that too right because now with streaming you don't have to choose like you did it one time where you were you were like committed to buying a certain type of music or or at least focusing on a certain kind of music now you can kind of listen to it all 
and it's just yeah. all at your fingertips at all times. So, yeah, I imagine kids are, you know, your young people or, or just people getting into it are a lot more open to how wide the breadth of music is, not limited to like whatever thing they had to buy at the store on that given time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of curious on like, like a person's like experience with learning of like a band or something first, like their first impression or first experience with a band, like how it is now because of streaming. Cause it's like, you know, to me, like when you'd kind of buy a record or anything like that, like something physical, it's like hanging out with a friend. Like you're kind of committing to like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to spend some time together. You're the only one I can afford for a little bit, you know? And, uh, and then, yeah, even even if you didn't like it, you kind of forced yourself to like, let me kind of listen because I paid whatever. And but yeah, it was just uh, actually right before COVID. Again, I, I kind of go through these like interesting like they're like psychological experiments. I don't uh, it's just it just naturally occurs. I'm not like, <laughs> what am I going to do today? Um, but like right before COVID, I kind of same thing. I wanted to like I thought about that with music. And I'm like, I want to kind of do that again. And like the first record I did was Cindy Lauper's uh, She's Unusual and just like listen to it for almost like nothing and almost nothing else for like a few weeks or like a month. That's a kind of interesting uh, thing. And I was kind of doing that with a few other ones too. And I've almost uh, now it's almost how I listen to music again. And I like it. Yeah, you're right. Because you definitely like, like now I find I'll listen to a record once and just be like okay i get it and then it's like only if there's a record where i have it on vinyl and i'm like putting it on listening to it maybe three or four times in a row that you start really getting some of the nuance of the records start getting into some of those songs but like you're saying like we used to spend months with records you know <laughs> like sometimes you'd have that tape turning over and over in the walkman for like for like ever because you couldn't get you're right you couldn't afford a new one even in the early days of mp3s when you had limited space on your mp3 player and it was harder to download this stuff you'd be committed to these records until you could find a place to download new ones on there so you'd spend a lot more time with them now where it, everything's just at your fingertips it's just so easy to kind of get distracted well i'm speaking for personal experience yeah yeah it is and it's i mean you know it's it's like a it's maybe not a bad thing but it, it i just think it does it's like a different response in a sense like a uh, like physical response and I'm, I'm i'm very much interested in what's happening here and i, I try to kind of uh i don't know like uh especially with the with the phone and and it's like you're kind of breezing through like you're you're like on like fast forward a lot yeah. in a sense and you skim through a lot i think with music it's like my it's such a like uh special thing for for me as i know it is for you and all, everyone listening so i, I want to make sure like the quality of the experience kind of like it it's it's treated separate from how our world's kind of changed you know yeah and, uh but yeah i mean i also have the days where like like on my birthday which was like a few weeks ago i'm like fucking made a playlist you know and, and there's the kind of the excitement of things kind of just being all over the place and having access to all this stuff but it's it's like it's a nice thing to like go between the two, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's, like you're saying, it's almost a different part of your brain that you use to kind yeah. of like digest music when you're focused on it. Like, whereas when you're just kind of like streaming it, it's almost like it's, it's just a background thing. I look at the way my kids appreciate music. Like that's not to say they don't listen to music, don't like music, 
but at the same way, they don't have to necessarily invest the time with it to acquire it in the same sort of way. So yeah. I think the relationship's just slightly different to it. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? You know, uh, it's an, it's an interesting thing, but. Well, it's funny when you're in a band like, you know, you know, propaganda or like, you know, like a band where you like, you really put effort into, to records and like, you're like, this is an LP and you'll spend like years, months crafting an LP. And then you just think about someone going like, okay, got it next. Okay. Got it next. Okay. Got it next. Okay. Got it next. And like, you know, being in a band that, that focuses on albums, like that's, you know, you, you realize you're spending years on something that someone's probably going to maybe give five minutes to. And you're like, please just, just spend a week with this thing at least. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, that just kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, Adele just released that her album and didn't she put like a like a almost a restriction like she had Spotify put some restriction where you're not allowed to like yeah, skip yeah. or skip if she wanted it to be listened to as it was written. I, I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> you if you know? got that, if you got that kind of power, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was her Adele flex, you know. <laughs> Years ago, uh, like. Uh, when we were at, um, we were on Matador and so we were part of the beggars group and she was on Excel and early in the morning I went down to the warehouse cause we used to stay in their apartment building and you could go down and just get free records. So that was of course where I would spend all my time. And I walked okay. down there and Adele's just having coffee with all the people that worked in the warehouse, just chilling. She seemed like super cool. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, so she's got, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's got power and she's chill. Yeah. That's cool. It's cool. <laughs> So where did you kind of go from, like you mentioned getting into the underground side of things, like how did that kind of happen? So kind of like, so I, I guess I was like fourth, maybe fifth grade or something. And I just remember my sister who's in 10th grade and at this point I lived in Tampa. So originally kind of the setting of my, uh, like the green day era was like Puerto Rico where I grew up in. So, so just to set a little scene here. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so it was in Tampa. My sister, I just noticed some changes. Like, you know, you're kind of little and you're just like, you know, okay, the there's things I'm I'm seeing that I've never seen before, like certain like CDs, flyers, like you know, like the really like neon colored flyers kind of popping in. So I was I was like asking a lot of questions. At one point, at first I was just like noticing it, and then at one point I'm like, what what's going on here? Like it's all the stuff and then like in the car she's putting in like mixtapes like all these different bands and i'm seeing the lists and i'm like i've never heard of anyone on these things and i'm i'm just like yeah so so my sister really through because she like like when she discovered it in like 10th grade is like i discovered it too in like fifth grade so and then yeah i guess within like a year or so i i think i went to my first like show when i was like 11 um my parents were somehow there's like a beauty to like the whole like yeah just do whatever <laughs> you know like i don't know if it's still like not having a cell phone and just like they're like my sister kind of was or had already experienced it so i kind of was just able to tag along so i went to my first like diy like a kind of underground show at 11 i just remember like being just like a wide like eyes wide open be like this is fucking insane and just even there being like all these band shirts same thing i was just like remember all these fucking names they gotta just keep like trying to figure out these bands so this is kind of how it happened you know do you remember any of the bands that played that first show that might have been a notice for a name show awesome and and one man army okay. yeah it's like age some 
you know, younger. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was One Man Army. Yeah, which is Jack's man from Dead to Me. Yeah. He's a, yeah. it's cool when we played together and i kind of mentioned that <laughs> i'm like hey i still have that shirt <laughs> it's got a rip here but i got it and um but yeah that's what that show they were sick one man army yeah they were awesome yeah i think they had two records me three records. Well, anyway they were they were fantastic yeah i just yeah i think it would sit out with them it's like it was the kind of like it's like punk but it, it was almost like kind of like the clash mm-hmm. where like punk but it had that kind of extra bit that wasn't like it like the kind of groove and also like jack's voice like how it was like raspy but also like really like kind of sweet like singy i just remember that being kind of cool (laughs) i think you also benefit when you're telling your parents you're going to a show and they have no like they you know most of the time parents think it's like a concert you know and then like the the difference between a concert and a show until you go to a show you know parents just have no idea what that is you know i think that's what i benefited from too yeah yeah it's like they, i mean my parents are pretty cool like seeing you know years later you're like holy shit this is like a 45 minute drive from like our house to where the venue is and they just like hang out outside like they would just hang and this is like downtown st pete and just like in the car just roaming around and like often like we i went to a lot of shows you know and then like there'd be that was like st pete and then tampa would be a little closer but just kind of, you know, they didn't, they didn't care. <laughs> so who are some of the local bands kind of happening around then? Uh, just around then? Um, it's weird. I didn't really get it. I kind of didn't get into the local scene until a little later. Mm. And it's like, I'm trying to think of. Because around that time, I guess, like in Tampa, like, yeah again i kind of went to like the, the bigger like shows going like bigger in the underground you know but like i guess it's probably around like the hot water music like and then against me would come like years a few years later things yeah. like that yeah like that with the gainesville kind of like no idea yeah. rain yeah exactly like it was kind of more of like that time and so local i mean that would be you know, my partner would be a good person. <laughs> She's probably more like kind of uh, familiar with the, the Tampa scene at that time. I didn't really get into the whole, probably until I was like 18. And even then it was like such little pockets, mm-hmm. you know, for own bands. Well, that's the thing about Florida. Like I'm always fascinated by the way punk develops there because it is, you know, like I've been, people have corrected me on this over the years too, but, um, but like, to me, it seems like a little more cut off, like in, in terms of like oh, bands yeah. touring, like it's harder. It's like, a, it takes a little bit extra effort, you know, to do that yeah. further south. Was, yeah. We were cursed basically. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny with, uh, I have a propaganda story related to kind of that feeling. So, so a lot of times when I wanted to go to shows at that age, 11 or 12 years old, I'd have to like find a kind of if if I'd have to find a big kid <laughs> to go with me or I couldn't go. Yeah. And Propaganda were playing in '99 or 2000. It was right after like today's uh, Empires came out, and I couldn't find anyone, so I didn't go. And I just remember being like, "Ah, oh, well, fuck, that sucks." I guess. And it was in Tampa too, so a little closer. So it's like, I guess I'll catch up with the next one. They didn't fucking come down to Florida for like nine years. <laughs> I was so pissed. I was so fucking pissed. And uh was when I saw them at <laughs> that show, The Harvest of Hope. 
a festival and it was outdoor, not the same, but yeah, it was just, you're kind of like it, it, we were cut off and I don't know if it's changed, but I definitely felt that, um, like, you know, you'd see a band, it was like exciting, but even locally, like in terms of touring, like how many times are we going to play like Tampa, St. Peter, Orlando, which is like as close to the proximity, but like Miami's like four and a half, four or five hours down. Kay Gainesville is a couple hours, but just to get to the next state was like seven hours, Georgia, you know? So like, so as a, even a band starting out, it was, it was hard. It had its difficulties where you're like seven hours, you know how much fucking surface you can cover? Like if you lived in Philly or New York, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy and so yeah it was like it's a combination like cut off from going from the going of shows and seeing bands like tour routes always be like we're skipping you we're not going down into the ditch um and then also from like a band perspective being like you almost feel like you couldn't like grow your band or get an, an audience or like a fan base because it's just like too expensive or too much like uh, of an undertaking to even just get out of the damn place, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like it feels very much like, like there are tons of bands that never really got out of Florida. Like there's just so, so many yeah. bands that died on the rocks because like you're saying, it's, it's seven hours sometimes to get out depending on where you are in the state to play in other States. So yeah. a lot of bands, it feels like, yeah, like it takes a little bit something to get to that next stage. Yeah. Yeah. That just reminds me of like a, the, one of the dumbest tours I've ever done, which is a week long and it was totally around the, like, the basically the yearning of like we all just want to go to chicago <laughs> we've never been so we booked a week tour to chicago and back in a week from tampa it was so dumb <laughs> and like two of the drives in a week were 14 hours and it was it was a blast and you know we're younger too so it's like you're not you're not doing you're not making good decisions <laughs> on many things and you're like drinking too much and yeah it was just like uh kind of uh ridiculous and on the i just remember the ride home the last like couple hours everyone's like coughing because we're all super sick <laughs> but we had a great time we made it to chicago <laughs> and that's the best thing about punk and 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 hardcore and kind of like this part of underground music is like what are the genre in the world could you be like yo let's just go to the city we've never been to and there's a network of people that you, yeah, maybe won't make money doing it, but like at least you'll have a place to stay everywhere up the up there and back, just because we're part of this thing that has this network. Oh, it's the best. I mean, I I still like that's still like warms my heart. Like I, you know, I cherish those days, and I still cherish it. Like now, you know, like it, it, it's like it's so important. It's what really keeps this good like spirit. It it it. it and it gives you, it keeps the excitement of why you kind of felt excited in the first place about the genre. Like, mm -hmm. holy shit, this like whole world where, especially most punks are kind of, we're like broken entities and we're trying to kind of figure out our, our place in the world. And there it is. It's like, <laughs> and so it's, it's a really, uh, yeah, it, it's a special thing. And, and I, you know, a few of those tours, like we didn't get out much again, because being florida band but like they're still like the few tours that we did holy shit they're like someone i was just telling my partner this some of the best times of my life like 21 shows in 22 days and like just all these people who just said like yes and you're like we'll find out 
how it is we get there like this kind of driving into the unknown and and just people being so receptive is like the best feeling yeah like it is it is like this kind of uh like i always i always wonder how people do it in other genres you know because like there isn't that support system at least from the outside maybe because i'm not in these genres but like on that kind of grassroots level that you can kind of start doing this as a kid just being like i want to do this not having to worry about doing it as a professional first yeah 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 i don't i don't know like uh it is a very unknown territory because it seems like everyone in punk kind of knows like what like there's like steps you know you you form the band you write the songs and then you kind of just hit someone up that you kind of know that's like in a band in a town and then there you go you're on your way you know Uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, like I wonder. <laughs> but it's also like I always think of like bands like that, like the maybe like different genres or whatever. Like, how do they go about like? like have, what's a manager like? What do, what do, what do managers do? <laughs> you know, like almost like the the kind of professional, if you want to call it, you know, like that side of me because I've always been so DIY in a sense. Like, is complete mystery. Yeah, like it's funny because I'll talk to normally artists that are based out of London um, and a lot of them talk about the scene that they were in where there's like a lot more you're playing showcase shows constantly hoping to get signed and then from there you'll get a manager or potentially a booking agent and that'll help you get to the next stage and like you're saying like coming from this world it's like oh that's the last thing you have to worry about like you can just kick that ball way down the field because you're going to be playing shows for years before you have to worry about finding any of that stuff if you want yeah and i mean uh, it's the punk aesthetic of like you kind of just figure it out as you go and it is like a yeah I, i've i've treated so much of my life like like that where like i don't really know what i'm doing but let me get the few basic like starters <laughs> starting moves and then I'll learn and I'll probably make mistakes, which I have, but that that's how, you know, don't do that and do this, you know? And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think like you're like auditioning for that. It's just, or something like it's, it's a, it's a different beast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's like, yeah, well, it's, like you're saying, it's, it feels like completely kind of alien world to this world that we're talking about where, you know, was this a feral babies that you did the first, the, the Chicago tour with? No, it was a uh, band Ink and Sweat, but we also now known as Career. Okay. So two of like the bands, I, you know, we're we're never really ending. Maybe that's a Florida thing too. It's like we don't bands don't almost break. Like they don't end. They just like go in like crazy long hiatuses. And then like I have like however many bands that it still exist, but it's like. It's hard to get things going. But yeah, the Ink and Sweat, which we kind of started more as like a pop punk band, actually. But we we changed our kind of sound and name, and that's what career used to be. So that's career. Okay. Which is actually, I love those motherfuckers. They're like that I will never not be in that band. We're not active, we haven't done anything in years, but it's like kind of like the chemistry and like the the bond is so tight that it's like if at if at any point we can somehow figure it out then it's gonna happen and i know it's like it's like when you be with a friend who you have in a long time and it's like it's like it's like you never separated i have that musical connection with those guys and uh so yeah we started like that was when we were younger like um 
doing completely different music and that Chicago tour and Feral Babies was a different thing, but I still play with those guys too. Like we kind of, again, it's very chill, like, like just around, we'll kind of do whatever. Well, I love what you're saying there. Cause it, it is, it does seem like a very Florida thing to have a band that just goes on because you love it. Like, and I guess you're saying how it's completely different than that stuff we're talking about where you're like auditioning for agents and you're you're almost doing this as a means to an end whereas if you're a band in florida where there's not necessarily the hope of being discovered in you know or not necessarily the pressure i should say of being discovered by this like music industry that's breathing down your neck you're kind of free to just do it because you love it for as long as you want to yeah it's it's a weird thing because i i sometimes wonder like does everyone else in the band kind of feel like do we want anything more you know and i i feel like at the beginning maybe it was like yeah it'd be great if this like grew into something like we got, we got discovered and turned into something but maybe over time yeah it kind of just morphed into that like uh like fuck it we just we just really like to enjoy this is how we hang out with each other and this is how, kind of what we do in town and and yeah because it is so much effort to get the hell out <laughs> and um i you know it's interesting because now i live in new york that's probably a huge reason why I moved out is like, I do enjoy, I do want to kind of push and grow uh, musically. And as much as I love that, it's kind of like, you know, I kind of want a different experience too. But like I said, I, those things, Feral Babies and Career are still bands that if at any given time we're a play show, I'll fly down. And it's not for anything more than to be like, hey, we had a good time playing these songs that we we all like did together you know mm -hmm. and actually that i did end up doing that with feral babies because we were in a band for a couple of years and around like 2019 we started up again and we just did a one-off show at a record store and or we were gonna come back but it was one-off because covid happened like a month later but yeah same thing it's like a fuck it like every show matters to me you know and every musical connection matters and i don't i don't like to like really put like them into like a hierarchy mm -hmm. it's like everything it all counts you know it all counts in the big picture which is like i'm just trying to have a moment here with the people that i'm playing with and the people who i'm playing to and this is like how we kind of get away from all the fucking bullshit and that's what it's all about so if i make a buck or or not or i lose i'm okay with that because i i've i've earned so much more from like that that's what i do it for you know yeah no absolutely and i watch i watched this documentary about this guy stevie stiletto who i was very unfamiliar with but he's got an incredible discography of just records that he kind of put out and he's like this florida guy that just you know in this documentary did it literally till he passed away just mm -hmm. because he loved it and it's like the shows he's playing at, at you know it's 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 literally because he loves it and he's touring florida constantly and gets outside of Florida eventually and everything goes wrong constantly for them. It's a, it's a very upsetting documentary, oh, but he, uh, but the side that Florida that, man does punk. <laughs> it has a feel at times like that, but it also, it just is also like the, the idea that there's a, there's like, you're saying there's a purity to the moment and that's what you're living for with this. It's like all the other stuff that comes with it is almost incidental or, or, or luck or whatever. But like that moment where you're out there connecting with people that are there to see what you've done, like that's that's what makes us special. And that can happen on any level. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting thing to think about, like 
um, kind of success with music. It's kind of something in my brain lately because that's something now that we kind of, uh, there's a there's a lot of focus on, like that's kind of something. And we're, think of how punk started. It's not like those fuckers were like, this is gonna, I'm gonna live off that. They really just did it. You know, like, like it's like, there was no promise. There was like no like a promise of an outcome of like financial <laughs> security or anything. And there's something about that that I'm like, I still want to carry because I even obviously I need to make a living because I need to like live somewhere and eat and, and, and you know, because that adds to your quality of life. But there is that percentage of like that I sometimes am like, if I if I catch myself getting a little too like career oriented, like like musically then I'm like, kind of reel it in, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, it's, it's a weird thing, because uh, I, I don't know, I just think of, um, it sucks when money's involved, but as much as we have to think about it, 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 it's fucked, like, again, this is why, where my brain's been at, where I don't, I might not have the answer, I, I don't, it's a, it's a, it's a confusing, conflicted topic, mm-hmm. and it's like, um, I don't know. So I've just been kind of simmering on that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, it's something that, you know, I, I think about a lot and comes up on the show a lot too, is this idea of like, you know, we're one of the, there's, there's other, a lot of genres have this idea of a sellout, you know, and the, but we're the only genre and I, you know, I'm pr- once again, punk, hardcore, like everything that kind of fits under that umbrella where, where this idea is so baked in to everything we do. And like, anytime you make a moral decision, it's almost like, you know, I, David Bazan was on from Page of the Lion. We talked about how it's almost comes like a religion where you have these ideals that would be normally instilled in you by religion. But to us, it's instilled through this music that we love, that we carry with us. So there is this sort of like constant awareness of, well, why am I doing this? Like, is it to make more money? And then do I really need that more money? Or is it just like, that's just the thing that I'm rallying against driving me to do that, you know? And it's... Yeah, it's yeah. something that is very interesting with punk that I think that we're we're most of us are constantly grappling with, and it it seems to exist more intensely here than in other places. Yeah, I just feel like I I try to gauge the percentage of what I'm thinking about. Like, hey, I'm doing this to like make a living, and to just make sure it doesn't taint the experience of like why I'm doing it. If I catch myself kind of leaning too much, you know, like I'm trying to like quote unquote make it if we're going to use those terms i don't know you know it's just like like how much is that kind of almost obsession of starting to like take away from like yo let me go back to like why i did this which is just like because it feels good it's it's a balancing thing my friend and i talk about this all the time because you know it's also hard to do these things diy i mean would I have loved to like had that kind of boost with my Florida bands like early on? Fuck yeah, because it's like I'd love to perform more, but like we did it because we really couldn't. We couldn't afford to. It was too much. And but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's complicated. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I'm spiraling here. No, no, not at all. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely something this kind of balance of we are humans that are kind of stuck in the system where we have to think about money, you know? And it's like, and punk is now, uh, has been at a place where there is actual promise for 
potential financial return. So it is going to be in your, in your mind as like, Hey, this could potentially be something I do get it. Cause that's the ideal, right? We want to kind of do what we love. And like, in terms of work, that's the ideal is like not being like working a shit job. You want to work something that you love and hopefully that will give you a living. Um, but yeah, like I said, it gets complicated with the ideology and stuff. Well, yeah, you're right. And it, it just also feels like, like you're saying, like we now live at a time where, you know, turnstile has been on TV multiple times, you know, like uh, bands get really big, you know, and, and, and the idea of like being successful in this thing is, is, you know, not a foregone conclusion. It still requires a lot of effort and obviously a lot of talent to write great songs and stuff like that. But like, you like you're saying, there is a promise of it that wasn't necessarily there for, well, I don't know. I guess Crass was on top of the pop. So maybe it was there for Crass. Maybe at any time they could have been like, all right, now's the time to cash in on this whole thing. And Crass, yeah. Crass, uh, you know, signs to a major label in like the early eighties or something, but. Yeah. And I kind of, I, going back to that, I almost think of it as like the or original intent of starting the band may have not been like, let's get some, let's get some dough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and then it just happened to like unfold that way. Yeah. And like, yeah, a lot of, I mean, the Ramones made a movie, you know, like, and, and like, and, um, yeah, it's like, it's weird. <laughs> like, you kind of just didn't expect that. And it's almost like I want to kind of bring back, like, the original intent of, like, I just love this. And cool, if these things unfold, sweet. You know, I'm probably going to do it anyway because I'm fucking going insane. But don't have a band, which is why I have a pile of bands that at any given time, this one's going to do something now. <laughs> That's the you Florida know? in you. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like what's going on oh no I'm, not, I'm good when when moby was on the show he talked about how he even had guilt about the idea of like selling out and still wish that he could go back to like 85 and almost do it all over again he kind of seemed to imply and it's like here's a guy who you'd think would you know like he he sold every song on play to you know licensed every song on that album play to a commercial at some point you know so a guy who went so far on the other end, almost it felt like to get away from this sort of like punk rock guilt that he's now kind of come back to, and he still kind of carries. And it's like, well, it's almost like you, you just do it because you love it. Cause otherwise you're always going to have this question in your back of my, your mind. Like, did I do the right thing? Yeah. The guilt with punk is hard because it's like, I'm just not a fan of like your decisions being kind of, like uh, this exterior source like uh kind of really conflicting with your decisions you know that's the punk in me i don't want no fucking gods no masters <laughs> but it's like anyway it's <laughs> all jokes aside like it, it's a weird thing because i i think when i was younger i'm like yeah fucking sell out you know <laughs> like i kind of jumped out you know here's my torch you know but uh now at this time like let's say with turnstile i'm like cool man that's awesome like i almost have like eliminated that as part of my vocabulary and thinking because who am i to fucking say anything man you run your own fucking thing however you want it and if it makes you happy and those are decisions you make cool and it's like yeah uh i don't know <laughs> maybe i'm less plugged that way. i don't know it's just like a a weird thing well, like you're saying the game has changed you know like it's not there was a point in the in the 90s where 
you know, like you could keep your, your money all kind of in an internal community, you know, like you buy your records from the distributor who buys it from this punk label and you buy your books from this bookstore. That's like an anarchist run ethical bookstore and your food from this grocery store. That's an ethical grocery store. And, you know, and like, you kind of like could keep this money kind of in this sort of like community, but now it feels like once again, cause of streaming, cause of cell phones, cause yeah. everything, like everything we do, I guess it also goes back to what you're saying earlier is it's kind of like the pressure to monetize the pressure to like, you know, like everything's corporately involved at a certain level, just by the nature of the world we live in now. Yeah. And it's also information is getting passed on differently, especially with music, mm. you know, where it was almost somewhat of a, there were like fewer options. Like you post a, you have a flyer at a record store or like for your record coming out or like a mailing list or something like it was more to in a way having few options made it more direct like like here's a direct communication to someone like our records coming out in this where now it's like a, there's a sea of like how can i find out fucked up playing in my town no shit i missed them that happened i think you played here and i didn't even know you were fucking playing because it got lost in the sea of all this other information Mm -hmm. where in the past i probably if i was just walking and be like oh fuck there's a flyer fucked up cool you know and 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 there's also probably just way more a lot more bands and things like that so it's like these moments like these kind of shows if they go on tv or something like they're crucial to almost filter out all the information to be like this is us like kind of bringing back that directness so rather than kind of framing it as like a selling out thing it's more like hey we need to like pass this on this is what we're doing and like highlight us in this kind of package way of nothing else to distract you here we are don't don't sift through it you know it's that's how i see it and like kind of back to what i mentioned with like mtv and stuff because that was so much a part of like how i really got into music it's like that was you know i think of how many channels you even just to have and there was the one channel with music really and you just fuck it that and jingles and whatever like soap opera theme songs or whatever you know it's just like music in the radio but like in terms of tv it was just like here it is and you'd have however many artists so yeah no and like you you need like these jumping on points like we're saying like you know in turnstile being on tv is an amazing jumping on point for kids because here's a band that's also you know talking really cool stuff and, and being super positive and, and being the band that you'd hope would be in that position when that time comes around. And so, yeah, this is another great jumping on point for kids. That's an amazing way to start and like, you know, like, like keep it vital, keep it going. Yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, you get the kind of cast of characters, like that's part of the fun of it too. You know, like uh, just like when you'd have records and you kind of study who the people are, you knew all the bands. It's kind of like a version of that. I think you kind of take a scan of like, oh, like this. If you've heard the band, maybe somewhere else, and then you finally see them, there's something there. Like I, I, I still remember those feelings of of hearing music and then seeing the actual members or like the the band that is shown them being real people and come to life. You're just like, holy, f-. it's like seeing a Mickey Mouse, the Florida <laughs> Mickey Mouse. You're like, holy fuck. Yeah. And the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like one of the way, you know, once again, like not to, you know, kill this point, but like the idea of like, this is a place where you can go up and meet these people. Like you're, it's yeah. kind of like the, that wall is broken as soon as you're at these shows. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like, especially if you're like 
hey, I want to do this. It gives you that kind of faith, like, wow, they're just kind of like normal people like me. It's accessible. It was definitely a, a turn on for punk for me, you know, um, huge. When did you start playing music? Uh, proper, probably at like 12 years old. I, I was kind of same neighbor who got me into like punk and skating stuff, had like this acoustic guitar that had four strings, rusted strings. And, and I used like a Lego chip to just like bang on it. So I wouldn't really count that. I was like six. I'd wanted to, but like in Puerto Rico, we didn't have access. Like we didn't, I don't remember a music shop ever like seeing one. So, and then, uh, but yeah, so eventually I got one, I think I was like 11 or 12. And so around that age. Were there any, like, did you have any awareness of like, cause there's an amazing Puerto Rican hardcore scene, obviously uh, like, well, going back to the kind of inception of punk and hardcore, but like, did you have any awareness of Puerto Rican punk and hardcore bands during that time? Oh, unfortunately not. Like I lived there, I was born there and I lived there till I was nine. It's just too young, yeah. I think. And I was kind of, yeah, I just kind of stuck in my neighborhood, just playing outside and getting introduced to like music through like my, my parents, like they, my parents would have like these parties. So they played disco and pop and hip hop. And, um, and then the neighbor would play like metal and punk. And then my sister's playing pop. So I was like, really like submerged with so much different music too. And so that was kind of my world, that little like bit of my neighborhood and obviously school and stuff. But like, that's kind of when I think of living there was just that. So I was just too young. And then, I yeah I don't really know much about it but that's something I've been wanting to like dive into and kind of know what the scene is maybe when I go back there even like check out a local show and stuff like that yeah my knowledge is very limited but I got this there's this label out of Connecticut something computer I'll send you the name and I'll fix this in the intro but they did a like a four seven inch set in the 90s of all these amazing kind of raging hardcore bands and stuff and that's cool. like really what my knowledge is limited once again just from being in used record stores but this idea that now you know before i like I, I found this record and i poured over it learning about all the stuff in it and learning about all these bands and now here i am with all this information at my fingertips and i could dig so much deeper but there's just so much information at your fingertips yeah. at all times yeah it's like kind of goes crazy on your brain <laughs> yeah yeah that's why i guess forget, what was the thing i was originally gonna do and how did i end up here <laughs> I guess that's why meditations come back because like people just need to quiet their brains down now so much. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, definitely like any like physical activity, yoga, meditation, like anything that's just like kind of away from technology too, I'd say. And nope. just kind of get your brain like at a speed that's not kind of controlled by like these, these pages, you know? Well, it's like you were saying, it's like before we lived in a world where we'd look up and we'd see flyers on telephone poles. And now we, I don't know, I guess we're looking down at our phones, but like, that's the only thing that's really changed. And like, this is something that comes up on this, uh, on here a lot with people is like how, like we could theoretically go back to the old way we did things and tell people about bands and like share music with people, like on a person to person level and flyers. But like, it feels like we're so attached to these machines now that it would be so hard to go back to an old system of doing things yeah it's almost like time was just different than right now it's like the time is fast like yeah. we're just like 
why would I do, why would I get my ass up and put a flyer in a pole when I could just like sit my ass here, <laughs> yeah. here from the comfort of my couch, my coffee, you know, uh, yeah. but it's like, it kind of, it is truly probably how I'm thinking is, it's just like, it's, it's the convenience, like the internet's fucking convenient, unfortunately, but you know, it's like, it's kind of like use I try to like use it when it's beneficial and back the fuck away when I catch myself like, hey, I've been on here too long. Mm-hmm. Look up, look around you. <laughs> you know, like there's like a real world to fucking experience, you know. And it's like you're real saying it's like shit. I'm sorry, um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. Oh no, oh you did it. Uh I was just like saying like real, like almost like activate your senses in a just more uh yeah, just around your your surroundings. it's like that addiction to convenience though like that's what you're like you know that that enabled uber to take the place of taxi cabs and like all these delivery services take place of delivery from restaurants because now instead of like going to that extra effort of looking up that one number someone realized like oh it's much more convenient if you just have it all right on their phone and that that is kind of allowed you know these industries kind of take over everything well it's like once you're at fast, why would you want to go back to slow? That's kind of what it comes down to. Um, you know, more communication. I could communicate that I'm playing a show instantly in a second through a post rather than like manual labor. I mean, it's, it's it was a be- beautiful climb to that point, you know, because the flyer in a sense is like was like built from that, like a way of communicating. So we still have that format, but it's like, yeah, it's just kind of the world we live in now with the internet and it's like it's hard to kind of replace you know how much metal uh scene remnants were there in tampa when you were growing up like it's obviously such a storied metal scene speaking of speed yeah yeah the you know cannibal corpse and stuff like the aside and stuff uh yeah you know i didn't i was way more kind of leaned heavy on the punk side so I mean it was definitely there, but I, I kind of didn't I didn't get deep into that. I was actually I wouldn't even say I was really just mostly in, in the punk scene. So you're like obviously an incredible guitar player. Like where did that side of it come for you? For is that through punk players or it's it's been it's a journey in itself. So I mean when I started, I mostly just played punk songs, power chords, single like kind of no medley, like catchy leads and um but I always wanted to get better and as good as I can I've kind of always had that fire in me about everything um and so you know you just go see a punk band we're like hey that one guy's playing a little bit of a more interesting bluesy solo or like social d solo song or you know or or descendants you know you just kind of see remnants of the shredding in punk and stuff like that so so that definitely kind of uh my interest and yeah I just I I started doing just lessons in a local like mom and pop shop um and I had a couple teachers there and uh and I kind of it was such a positive experience actually it was um they were just really supportive you know like not gonna lie with the gender shit unfortunately you're kind of discouraged from doing stuff like I think that is part of why I have that fire because I was kind of told, communicated as a young kid, you're not going to, oh, you're never going to be as good as, you know, whatever, because of who you are and stuff like that, or like turned away. And it kind of, it's, it's the anger that I had. And that definitely 
ties in with punk. So there was a lot of, I had a lot of anger as a kid. And, uh, and partly because I'm like, fucking tell me what I can't do. You know, you're not even giving me a chance because I'm a girl, you know, or some shit like that, you know? So, so I think this less, like we were just, I was with my parents driving around. Like it was like a weekend. We kind of do that. And I see a guitar shop. I was like, oh, can we pop in? And I pop in and I knew just like punk songs, you know, I picked up a guitar and they were so nice to me there. And they're just like, oh, play. And then the guitar teacher got behind a drum kit. I, I played some punk and he played along and he's like, hey, we're like, we were actually playing. It was the first time I played with someone. And yeah, I guess we, you know, he signed me up there. And I, I just think how encouraging they were. And, and that's been a common theme, I think, as a way of um, defying really shitty messages that I also heard is I think that's part of like why the guitar resonates with me. It's been kind of my like weapon to be like, fuck you, fuck you. You don't tell me that I can't do this. You don't tell me I can't do this. I'm going to be able to do this. So it kind of started there. And then I kind of just, I, I've had almost, I just never stopped the lesson thing. Like I, I did a little bit of theory lessons with a jazz teacher when I was like 18 and then I kind of just always seeking. And then I became a teacher when I was like in 2009, or however old I was, second job ever. And I've never stopped. And um, I only worked at Pizza Hut for like two months. And then I've, <laughs> I've been a guitar teacher since 2000, yeah, 2009. And um, anyway, I was teaching and someone came to me and wanted to learn fingerstyle. I was like, fuck, I don't know how to play fingerstyle. I better like learn how to play fingerstyle fight because it seems like people are coming to me with all kinds of stuff. That was kind of something interesting with teaching. I always have to kind of be better than the people, you know, mm-hmm. like, like I got to keep my shit up in order to teach to kind of keep this job. Anyway, long story short, I, I kind of looked online and I saw this guy teaching classical guitar. And I signed up with him. He had this deal first month and I did it. And that guy changed my life. Best fucking teacher. He's been a mentor to me. And um, yeah, classical guitar playing. I mean, it's just unreal because it, I mean, that's the foundation of it, the technique. I mean, he, I was just used to be a sloppy punk guitarist, you know, and it's just the way he taught. He basically had an answer for every problem you ever had in the instrument. He, and there was a very specific way, troubleshooting, like, like every fucking thing. And it was just like these little minor edits, which I eventually brought to like the electric guitar. So I kind of see it the same way being like, oh, I'm not doing that because this finger needs to just, it's, it's so minute. And, um, and yeah, he's the one who kind of mentored me to like do the business side too. Cause I'm like, I want to like do what you do. He, te- he taught out of his home, made a living teaching on a guitar and he just gave me like in our same town tampa he's not like he's like you're gonna compete with me he's like gave me kind of like three or four parameters do this do this don't do that and you're off and i haven't basically been teaching that's how i've i've wanted that because i wanted the freedom tour to work on my own so yeah that guy like changed my life in many ways so what was the first band you started playing with was it was it ink and sweat <laughs> I'm afraid to say the name because people might Google. <laughs> There's probably some shit out there. <laughs> I better uh, scan this <laughs> before you post it. All right, you don't have to say it if you don't want it. And then, and then, yeah, it just kind of morphed like into lights out, and then 
Um, actually, Lights Out was like the kind of first, like, it was actually all the same band, but it kept morphing. Like, we kind of get better. Lights Out was like when it was like starting, like, it was like, I'd say that's the first time we're like, oh, fuck, like, I'm, we're, I'm actually sounding like we're like, like, people will want to hear us. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah. like, we're not, like, practicing, like, a show. Like, a, a set's not, like, a practice that's, like, falling apart. You're not nailing anything. You're not even ending this song right. Like, this, we're just getting better. And, yeah, we, like, played with, like, Ceremony. We opened for them. That was, like, you know, things like that. And, and like, uh, yeah, and it just kind of morphed after that. Feral Babies, Ink and Sweat. New Bruises. Do you remember New Bruises? I think I remember New Bruises. I think I have a New Bruises record. Is there a record? Kiss of Death Records from Tampa. Yeah. So that's like Brian who owns that. That was his band. I played with them for a few years. Oh, awesome. Okay, yeah. Except... On that record, Chock Full of Misery. Okay, yeah. No, I definitely, that name, I, I'm, I'm sure I have a New Bruises record. So I don't think I have that one, though. But maybe I have another one? Yeah, that was the last one. It was okay. kind of like the Tampa thing. We kind of just dissipated. <laughs> 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 we're not you know we're technically still a band no one really, really announces it it's just like kind of like uh fizzles out into the the ether <laughs> well and that's like that's the you know that's the best way to do it because then you never have to do that like come crawling back like okay we're getting back together we know we know we did the spinal tap thing but this time we mean yeah. it we are back thank you very yeah, much yeah. um so. Uh, I I get I I could talk to you forever, and anytime you want to come back for a part two, please know you can always come here and talk music with me if you want. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of a that's like how I like to hang out. It's cool. It's it's nonstop. There's so much to talk about. I'm like I can't believe an hour's gone by. Well, we're not even done yet. If you're if you're willing to hang out for a little bit more, I don't give a shit. All right, yeah. we got we got more time. So, what was the first band that did do the tour? Like your very first tour was before was it before the Chicago? Oh, thing? New Bruises actually. Okay. Yeah, so they they were already a kind of like in Tampa, like somewhat established band, and and um, they needed a new guitarist, and uh, yeah, kind of similar to Propaganda, and I, I kind of joined, and that that was the first band I toured with, and just like West Coast, East Coast kind of stuff, nothing crazy, and then first band of like my original, I'd say Ink and Sweat, which is the first tour I even booked, and I have to say with like. I don't even were like GPS is even still around. MapQuest maybe might have been it. It was uh I kind of think back and I was I don't know if you feel this when you're like when you think about how you book a tour, you're like, yo, I'm impressed that like you kind of pulled that shit off. Yeah, yeah, like even <laughs> even like crazy feet. Yeah, like even MapQuest directions, like getting MapQuest directions, like you had to follow it. It's not like that was like, you know, you just followed the dot on the on the line in the car. <laughs> You're like, you can't fuck up one move, because if you do, you're like, shit. Oh, no. What's that one street? Yeah. No, I had right, 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 left. Now I don't know which way I'm going to go. Shit. Yeah, so uh, it was Ink and Sweat. The first tour I booked was like 21 shows in 22 days or something. Up to, up to like Florida, up to, I think, Boston and back. That was fun. That's like... Uh, probably some of the best musical moments in my life. The guys who the band that ultimately become career, same group of people, those four people. Um, yeah, it was just good. It was a good time. And who were some of the bands you guys were you were playing with on those tours, like up the oh, coast? Uh, like Close Talker from like Virginia. Let's see. Um, 
been a while. Fake boys in Boston. I think okay. we played with them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, it's... Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, it was. It was like a bunch of rubrics from like uh, South Carolina. Like Alex is their old band. Alex from Get Better Records. Absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, they hooked us up a lot in South Carolina. Um, yeah. It was just like. I mean, it was a combo of people who I still like, like, they're like my go-to. Uh, old Flings, actually, from uh, Asheville, too. Matt Evans, um, band Old Flings. But, yeah, it was just kind of underground circuit and, like, um, it was a mix. And then you'd have some random ass, like, hey, they just said yes, like, in Akron, Ohio. And some weird-ass shows. You're at this house and you're like, what the fuck is this and then like people go mental you know like because probably nothing else to do in that town you know and uh so yeah it was like a a mix of like kind of cool like spaces like crybaby actually which is um what's big nothing big nothing oh okay you know that band no it's but it does sound very familiar now i'm gonna look them up too it's like i think uh dude from sprainer Okay, okay, I gotta check them out. I'm gonna check them out after yeah. this. Big Nothing's a bit, or like they're like Matt from Big Nothing's old band. Yeah, so it's just like it's almost everyone who's like maybe doing something now. It's like they're they're kind of early bands. Like it was just like as everyone was still pretty DIY. Like like it was like it was almost like playing a local tour. Like <laughs> you know you know what I mean? Like yeah. it had the local spirit throughout it. I don't know if that makes sense, but. Well, it's kind of amazing when you think about like, you know, and that's what I'm fascinated by is just like how small some of these shows are. And yet there's how many people that you wind up working with or knowing or playing with later in life. Cause it's just like, there's so many people that are attracted to this energy or that need to kind of like be a part of something that wind up, you know, staying in it and just creating stuff like way later on in their lives and, and just becoming yeah. like, this is that they're just their on-ramp. Yeah, and I I like that part of it, you know, just like um just we couldn't have predicted that like hey, we're here like somewhere else in the world. I, I feel that with um Lou from like Caves and uh she played in Reviver for a bit and just like, you know, meeting her in Tampa at like a house show or something like that and then however many years later we're in Vegas staying at like a hard rock until hotel. We're all just like staying up till 6am because we're like, we played the hard rock venue and then our, the hotel was in the hard rock and we're kind of all fascinated. It's like a theme park. So like we all stay up to like 6am, just kind of like people watching and hanging out. And yeah, it's kind of like, Holy shit. Like, yeah, we met in Tampa like our early early bands like at a house show you know sweating our fucking asses off because it was summer or whatever in tampa and a <laughs> little dusty fan and a shit ton of people crammed in a room and here we are like this is where life has led us to and here we meet again you know i like the here, here we meet again kind of moments that punk brings like uh there's a lot of those absolutely and i think that's the uh you know, like there's so many people like you don't see a lot of people you went to high school with ever again. You don't see a lot of people that like, you know, like you worked with for a short period of your life. But that one person that you had that one cool hang with, 
when you're like a teenager somehow stays in your life for for years to come yeah yeah you know i i hear this thing where i feel like i've heard someone say this where it's like becomes harder as adults to make friends but musicians don't have to have that problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And i love that <laughs> we're like really fortunate like i've never thought about like all the people i know it's like that I, yeah I, I really see most people i see in contact with and the friends i make are through music are through bands and it's just and that like never goes away you go to one show and you make like however many friends that night it's like not even an issue it's not even something in my radar where i'm like how am i gonna meet people <laughs> yeah you know? yeah well you're right because the workplace is always changing i guess like so many people get you're in your life you know you're you go to your job you 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 interact with the people around you and that's that's you know your world other than other things you do kind of step out of your world but in music we have to meet new people like almost every day yeah yeah and it's like you know other workplaces too are a little bit more stiff and awkward yes. so it's not doesn't lend itself to like let's be friends and be like whoa this weirdo is like <laughs> it's second grade again <laughs> you know we're like in shows like i mean you're like playing in a band you're already kind of putting yourself out there to be like in a sense like this kind of vulnerable emotional experience that you're kind of really shedding off that that shield in a sense mm-hmm. so it kind of has that it it's almost easy like to just like like we're all there kind of with that feeling so it's like a no-brainer that you're just gonna like click with people you know yeah yeah and i, I think that's the other thing we're all yeah, we all know we've all filled out the application to a certain extent. Like we all have different answers on the application, maybe, but we've all at least filled out the application enough to be at the show, and yeah. uh, so we know that there might be some common ground with the people around us. Yeah. In our hey, has anyone ever uh, done this interview, but with you? Like, have you kind of given your own version of the I've done it a couple times? People, yeah, like, you know, it's weird. I know the setup here. Yeah, yeah. A couple like, times people you know, have tried. Out, be like, yeah, what's your thing? <laughs> a couple times people have like hit me with it when I've done, uh, when I've done interviews. Like people will be like, you know, will ask me like, how'd you get into punk? And then we'll go from there. And my uh, Jonah from my band interviewed me one time on the show uh, for okay. one of the episodes. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like. I, I think I'm a kind of a bad guest. I think because I'm much more concerned about what other people did than with what I did. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of part of the territory. Ah, I just curious. No, <laughs> we'll I just, we'll hang out when we hang out on the fucked up show. I'll, I'll start. We'll out. do one <laughs> next time. I do one. You can interview me if you want. Like I, I, I promise you, I, I'm I'm not that great of an interview. I think that's the. I, I find anytime I'm on a podcast, I finish, and people are always like, "Ah, oh, like I thought that would have been better." Like I don't know yeah. why. <laughs> uh. But before I let you go, I guess I w- I'd love to find out about uh, when you first heard Propagandi. Like, when did you first have that kind of, like, enter your your journey? Yeah, I was in the uh, eighth grade. It's a very vivid memory because it um, I was hanging out with my friend John after school. And we walked into my room and he saw my bass and he grabbed it. And then he started playing the beginning baseline of pc and uh i was like hey what's that and that's like basically the moment he told me about propaganda and then and then yeah it just kind of got me into i actually listened to less talk more rock before anything so um so that's kind of yeah so my friend john he was like 
you know how it was then where it was very hard to meet a punk. <laughs> so he was like one of the first punks besides, you know, my sister and her friends, but they kind of don't count, you know, like in terms of like my peers, like, um, like in school, like me seeing someone with like a, like a dead Kennedy shirt or something. Be like, whoa, someone else knows about this like secret world, the secret portal. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one day going up and being like, like we kind of, we kind of noticed that, you know, or you see one other person with green hair. I think in my middle school, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I remember feeling there was only three punks in the entire school. And he and I were like two of them, maybe a couple more or something, but you know, it's just, and then you kind of like bond and be like, fuck. <laughs> and then you kind of swap your, like who, you know, who you don't know. It's like playing cards. So he, he gave me the propaganda playing card. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause like, um, like, you know, like people talk about like pre Nirvana, they're like, if you saw anyone with a puncture, you knew you like, they could be your friend because like, yeah. it was so rare after Nirvana, it was still like that. It wasn't like the schools were overrun with punk rockers or something like, you know, you still saw a Dick Henny shirt. You'd want to, you know, like you knew that person was into something yeah. that not everyone was into. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, it was a cool thing, you know? Yeah. And then kind of like, I, I'll never forget how it felt to like go to a show and then go back to school, like on Monday, be like, no one knows what I fucking, did. you guys went to the movies, but I, you know, I, I like, I went, I slam dance for the first time, <laughs> you know, like I'm feeling like, so like fucking like excited and like this kind of, yeah, it, it just felt like this like weird, different world that like, it's like no one knows this exists. <laughs> what the fuck? This is weird. Well, like when when Josh from Fucked Up was on the show, he described it as getting like the escape hatch from life or the cheat code from life, where all of a sudden you realize like all the other shit people are concerned about doesn't really matter. And like I'm into something that's way cooler that none of these people that are trying to be cool can understand. Yeah, yeah. Not trying to be cool. It's like when it fucking hits you. It's mm-hmm. like, best yeah yeah anything that you can have and just fucking be be a nerd that's the greatest moment when you realize like when that's like the moment where you start seeing the matrix in in for the first time is when you're like oh all the cool kids are the fucking dorks and all the dorks are the cool kids like it's ah now it makes sense (laughs) it's the matrix yeah you're dodging the bullets they're like saying shit to you you're just dodging it you're like you're the loser not me like you totally everything's completely inverted yeah punk does have this kind of interesting power to like especially then like at that age when you're just like you just feel like no like like feelings are such an interesting thing at that age like they they suck you know you're just you're like so hard on yourself and you feel alone in, in that kind of struggle and then this kind of world gives you this kind of power to like to also have a place to release it in the way that we probably should be releasing it because we're animals i don't care if we're humans we're still animals and we need to fucking let it out you know Mm -hmm. and to have this kind of like hey we can actually let this out and not being like told you don't don't behave like that you know it's like just kind of being like hey we we let it out ah cool i can go back and like i feel better now It, it kind of just gives you it's like healthy in that sense that release and to be like it's it's okay to be fucking pissed it's okay to be sad you know and like having these songs 
and all these messages being so raw and honest and 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 to just send that message like oh like and, and also to relate to other people and like you're not alone in that kind of in these really fucked up feelings but i i just feel like it kind of gave you this like interesting boost of like confidence in a sense like in a weird way like maybe i i felt it a lot later on even then because i probably still felt like weird because <laughs> mm-hmm. you know you're like 13 <laughs> and like how else do you feel at that age but just kind of going back to school and being like, oh, it's okay that I don't fit it. Yeah. You know, like I don't feel right. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and it's, it's funny having people, not funny, it's, it's, it, it, it makes sense when you talk to people who wind up, you know, having been picked on, having been kind of like a target of people's aggression suddenly in a situation where they feel like they have back and they feel like they finally have agency and strength. And you can see how that can go far too far sometimes. And like, it's like the birth of like a lot of the violence that you hear about on the West coast in hardcore and punk, it really comes out of kids that were picked on suddenly realizing that they don't have to take shit from anybody. And then it, you know, going escalating and going too far from there. But yeah, you feel it's very intoxicating that energy to finally feel like, you fit in with people that don't fit in. Like there's a group of you like, Oh, all these things in my head that I've been saying to myself, there's other people that feel it too. And we're all together now. Yeah. It gives you this, this kind of a, this power that like, without that experience, yeah, you would just kind of like the day to day doesn't really, doesn't help to give you that power. I still feel that way with performing. I like, I think there was a point when I was like really, feeling like I was hitting my kind of like pinnacle moment as a as a player and performing where I was just like and then I'd go back to like it was like school I'd go back to like on the street normal life and I'm like fuck I'm so like awkward like <laughs> socially or like I or shy you know and kind of I feel weird again and and just I remember having a, a thought like I wish I could like almost just walk around with my guitar <laughs> all the time you know, like almost that, that's my, that's my weapon. That's my shield, you know, but it's a good way, you know, to get older being like, learn, for, like try to kind of embody that without having to rely on, it. you know, it, but, but it, it brought something. It definitely, the guitar is like, and music is definitely why I'm a fucking like confident person, you know, thanks to that. It helped me be a confident person, you know, um, but without it, you know, yeah, and I still have those moments. I'm like, fuck, I'm weird. <laughs> I, I think you should carry a guitar around at all times. I think that's a cool look. You know, it sounds better than it is because <laughs> I've learned this from airports. And oh man, how many people are like treat you like a fucking jukebox? <laughs> hey man, can you can you can you play this? <laughs> like no, <laughs> and like they, just, they they request a song like it's like a Spotify play. <laughs> like, no, I just don't know these fucking songs. <laughs> So it's it's actually not as cool. <laughs> You're right. Maybe the internalized guitar is the way to go then. Yeah, internalize in here. Uh, well, this has been amazing. And anytime you want to come back and talk about the externalized or the external internalized or externalized guitar, you are always welcome. Cool. Sweet. Thanks for having me. It was good talking. <laughs> Thank you, Sulin, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Sulin will be back at some point in the future for a part two. 
Uh, also, this is it. We've completed all the members of Propaganda. I think maybe we should have all of them on together as a celebration thing at some point. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch that to Tristan, and we'll get, maybe we'll get working on that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to want to, I'm going to hopefully be doing that more this year, finishing some of the bands. You know, we've been doing this thing for seven years and I, I think this is the first band we finished. No, fucked up. We finished fucked up. So fucked up in propaganda. I think we got a, one more member in Lex on fire, one more member in super chunk. Uh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there this year. We're going to complete some bands. Uh, speaking of getting there later on this week, hopefully, um, if I can figure out a new microphone, now, nah, hell, this sounds good enough. You know, you'll hear it through my computer. Coming up later on this week, an episode that I've been very excited to drop on you because whatever you think you know about this person and their career, you are about to have it all turned on its head. Coming up on the next episode of Turned at a Punk, former Bare Naked Ladies lead singer Stephen Page will be here. And trust me, this is a good one. I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, and that's it. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives of Indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards people of different faiths and, and just just get rid of this fascist bullshit, you know? Like this, this determination that some people have to uh, ruin people's lives, oppress people, you know, subject them to violence and all these sorts of things. So if there's organizations that are doing work that you believe in and, and you feel strongly about, get involved in some way. Um, you know, you can lend your support by your physical presence. You can lend your support other ways as well. Um, but just get involved, you know. Hopefully we can bring about some positive change to this world sometime. You know, that's what I'm all about. Positivity. Positivity. Um, speaking of positivity, one positive change I made for myself during the pandemic is I, I tried to meditate. And my gosh. People are right. That thing does work. So find yourself, uh, you know, somewhere to, to do it and, and try it. Because, you know, what's the worst that happens? It just doesn't do anything for you. And then you've you, you just wasted like 10 minutes and that's it. And maybe you have to try it a few times, to be honest, because it didn't take it first with me either. Uh, you can also do something positive by signing your organ donor cards. Because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them. They really don't come to you when you're living. You know, it's not like that, you know, uh, Monty Python sketch that was wholesale ripped off by you can't do this on television uh, where the organ donor card people come and take the organs from living people they don't do that in real life that's just a joke that's just a comedy sketch so what does it hurt you you're dead they won't you know you don't need that shit anymore it's just dead weight literally it's going to be dead weight if they don't get it out of you and give it to someone else it's getting a little morbid so i'm going to cut this short and just say sign your organ donor, organ donor cards uh go out there and make your own culture because anyone can do this stuff you know start a band start a fanzine Start a podcast. Do whatever you want. Just just do something because it's it's it'll help. You know, and you don't have to do something major. You can just draw pictures or write a story or just something to help your mental health. And that's it. I don't think I have anything more. Uh, stay safe, and uh, I will see you hopefully in England if you're in England uh, or in the UK or in Dublin, uh, Ireland, and uh, if not, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening.